The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and uh, I'll be with you for the next hour talking about just about everything related to firearms and, and the shooting sports. Um, my partner is not here today. Zev's a little bit under the weather, so I told him I could try and manage without him. He was so devastated that I could actually run the show without him. Uh, I think he's going to get well real quick because he doesn't want to miss too many shows. Thinks I might just go ahead and leave him off the agenda. But I have somebody else here I want to introduce you to. Um, for anybody who's ever called into the the shop here and talked to somebody and ever gotten a chance to talk with Brittany, uh, you know what a terrific person she is, how great at customer service she is. Um, and she is our CEO in training. Um, I'm talking about Brittany McMillan. Um, I'm a little... Um, so Brittany's got uh, something going on uh, this coming weekend that, that I wanted to share with you. So I thought I'd have her on the show and uh, introduce you to her a little bit and, and get to hear about what she's got planned. So first off, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Brittany McMillan. I am Kelly's daughter. Um, so thanks for having me on the show. I wanted to talk a little bit about an event that some girlfriends of mine and I uh, were introduced to and decided to attend. Um, we're going to the Ladies of Liberty s- Seminar and Shooting Camp. It's going to be hosted by Hillsdale College in Michigan. They have a 105-acre shooting, uh, shooting sports center, and it's a three-day course specifically designed for women um, to basically teach them basic handgun function and operation, uh, self-defense tactics, weapons education, figuring out what um, accessories are important to have in order to protect yourself. And then we'll have a little bit of fun at the end of the course and learn some clay shooting um, and more competitive sport shooting. You know, you've been around guns all of your life, but be honest, you, you haven't done a lot of shooting, though you've got some guns. Um, what made you decide to, to go to this course? Um, you know, you're right. I have been around guns my entire life. Um, I had another career for a few years uh, that didn't really provide me the opportunity to get out and shoot as much as I wanted to. Um, so when this opportunity was presented to me by a friend of mine um, whom has never really fired a weapon. Um, A group of girls decided, you know, we don't know how to shoot a gun. We want to learn. We want to be able to be prepared um, and be confident in what we're doing. So I have fired weapons, but I'm by no means an expert or an avid shooter. Um, And I think that's something 
I need to change. You know, I think that the more people shoot, the more often they'll shoot, the more comfortable they get with it, the more they enjoy it, uh, the more they go out. I think it's kind of a, a catch-22. You have a handgun, you don't really get out and shoot much, so you don't feel real comfortable with it, so you don't go shoot much. And, and I think once you get out there and, and get some training under your belt, I think you'll find out that you know it's a lot of fun and you'll do it not just for the training aspect of it, but just because you enjoy it. Uh, uh, it's probably a little late because you're leaving this weekend mm-hmm. uh, for the class. Uh, it's put on by Hillsdale College in Michigan. It's a small, private, conservative uh, college. Um, I will make sure we post the contact information. Um, but it's put on by a um, a team of instructors who all have um, experience and or pretty spectacular credentials so i'll make sure we get that contact information for you but it's hillsdale college great Uh, so is this something that's actually being sponsored by the college yes because that's uncommon you know in this day and age uh, we get a lot of left-leaning education um from in the college level and and you don't get to see that very often so i'm happy that there's at least uh, one college in the country that uh, feels it's important to you know support our second amendment rights yeah that's how we found out about it my friend's son actually goes there they're a very conservative uh, family and she was excited to be able to share this opportunity with us great um so I, I want to appreciate i mean thank you for coming on i really appreciate it uh we've got a little bit of time here before we get our first guest um Cooper is here with us. Um, Cooper, uh, say hi. Uh, let everybody know where you've been for the last week and what's going on with you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again, Kelly. I've actually been over in Europe. I just got back from Italy and Greece. It was a great experience, and I can't wait to go back. It was my first time over in Europe, so it was definitely a little bit of a culture shock, but I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, the nice thing about this day and age and how we do business these days is you can actually work anywhere you can get phone service mm-hmm. you can actually do some of the the jobs that you're taxed with at least for mcmillan so th- that was nice that so mm-hmm. you were on vacation and still took care of your your weekly stuff yeah exactly with everything that i do social media unfortunately never stops so you always have to be on top of it daily and i was very lucky to be able to work from over there a lot of people can say that they do that um before we started though i just wanted to mention about our newsletters i want to make sure that everyone signs up for them we have some great news coming out uh, you can sign up for the mcmillan newsletter at mcmillanusa.com again that's mcmillanusa.com we send out great deals and great newsletters monthly so it's definitely worth uh signing up for um, and then also be sure to like McMillan's Facebook page if you haven't. Uh, also, we just started a um, Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan Facebook page. And the reason that we did that is so that we could try to expand our reach. And because of Facebook's attitude towards promoting anything related to firearms, I figured I needed a new Facebook page so that we could uh, do some promotion. Um, it's working out fine. So if you haven't um, liked our Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan Facebook page, I 
highly recommend you do that so we can help get the word out to other people. Mm-hmm. And then also we have some great news coming out with the McCube line. So I definitely recommend everyone go and sign up for that newsletter. We have some dates that we're about to release and you can sign up for the newsletter at uh, nc3stocks.com. Again, that's nc3stocks.com. Craig Cooper, thanks for being with us. appreciate you sharing all that and taking care of it. Uh, we're ready to move on to our first guest, if he's on the line. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you. Well, we've got Bryce Bergen on the line, um, a great guest. I'm looking forward to spending some time with him. He's uh, He runs the Long Range Shooters of Utah, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, I've seen it off and on on social media and, and seen some of the YouTube uh, videos that you've put out, but, uh, you know, kind of doing a little studying for the uh, the show, I, you know, this is a lot bigger undertaking than I thought it was. It, it's not a hobby. It's kind of a full-time job on top of a full-time job. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up, how you got involved in guns, and why, you know, long-range shooting and what you do is so important to you. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to grow up in southwest Wyoming. Uh, That's about as free of a place as you can possibly find. Uh, Good old-school, hard-working people up there. And uh, I was fortunate to have a dad who was a contractor and also a, a very avid outdoorsman and also was uh, heavily involved with the conservation, wildlife conservation as well. He was a president of the Wildland Wildlife Federation. So needless to say, um, we did a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, and, of course, a lot of shooting. Um, so I just grew up around guns, uh, but I got to do a lot of fun things as a kid. Uh, my dad was very diverse in all the things he liked to do. Uh, he liked to fly planes. He liked to uh, do a lot of hunting and fishing and, and all sorts of things. Um, so it was, it was a great place to grow up, and obviously the shooting sports was, was a part of that. Um, but I was really focused on schooling and, and athletics and whatnot, and it really wasn't until after I finished up in college uh, where I, my dad decided, you know what, why don't I buy you a, a rifle as your gift for uh, graduating college? And I initially went right to, well, why don't you buy me the same rifle that I grew up with, which was a, a 7mm Browning BAR. Uh, not exactly a precision-oriented rifle, as you well know. And he stopped me and said, hey, that, that's cool and all, but you really ought to try this whole precision thing. You know, really really make every shot count. And and from there, it was just a snowball that started rolling down the hill, and I don't think it'll ever stop. Um, I spent the next year researching scopes and guns and optics and, I mean, everything you can think of. And uh, before you knew it, I, I had a Remington 700 and 300 Win Mag, and I had a Night Force scope that I took me two years to save for, and uh, everything kind of just happened out of there. I started making videos, and and here we are today. Well, that's interesting. Uh, You know, you talked about the BAR not being all that much of an accurate rifle, but there was a project that McMillan Fiberglass Stocks worked on a a few years back where a guy actually modified some of our stocks, rebuilt some BAR. And put suppressors on them, and and sold them to w- one of those um, government agencies, and they were really a big deal. A lot of people made a big deal about them, and and everyone wanted to buy a BAR stock from us. Of course, they were all modified, and we, you know, it's really not in our wheelhouse. We didn't want to make any of them, but the fact that project turned out to be a a very cool semi-automatic sniper rifle, and there really wouldn't, weren't any of those on the market at the time. 
Interesting. I've actually, looking back now where I'm at now, I look back and think, you know, it'd be really cool to take that old rifle of my dad's and go through it and rebarrel it and, you know, do whatever I could to, to really see how accurate we could get that thing. Uh, so maybe that'll be something I'll do as a tribute to him at some point. Uh, what I'd like for you to do is talk about um, how people can find out more about Long Range Shooters of Utah, uh, your website and all of your, your connection um, data. Absolutely. So uh, we've been fortunate enough to have some very successful videos. So if you hop on Google and type in Long Range Shooters of Utah, you'll find us for sure. Um, best thing to do would be to go to YouTube and subscribe. We have over 400 videos, uh, a lot of tutorials, a lot of competition coverage, uh, a lot of testing and uh, kind of different reviews and to try to find you know, ways to improve factory rifles and uh, just find the best accuracy. We also do a lot of tutorials on how to set up your optics. Um, a big topic lately that's had a lot of success has been the importance of having an anti-cant bubble level or some kind of an anti-cant device on your rifle and how that can affect your accuracy and precision at distance. Uh, so things like that you can find on YouTube. So look us up on YouTube and subscribe. And then, of course, on social media, you can go to our Facebook page. It's just under Long Range Shooters of Utah and give us a like there. Uh, we've been posting a lot of uh, great deals we find. I find myself uh, always checking all the big retailers for good deals recently, and I figure why not share that with uh, all my buddies that follow me on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. So we post those as well, as well as all of our videos and anything we come across of, of value that might be helpful to our followers. And then uh, in the last year, uh, Instagram has really become our big focus. So uh, lots of great content on Instagram. Um, that's also under Long Range Shooters of Utah. And then just here this last week, we also set up a Patreon account. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com uh, forward slash LRSU, you can get on there. Um, we set up that account primarily because uh, on April 1st, YouTube, which are the companies they work with, not wanting to work with us anymore, but we saw a significant drop in our ad revenue from the YouTube channel, uh, which wasn't terribly significant to begin with, but it certainly helped cover the cost of ammo and, and gas to get out to the range. And uh, we saw that drop by about 75%. So the, the Patreon account is really set up for creators like ourselves and, and a lot of other uh, big you know, gun YouTube names have set them up as well, where if you like our content, if you like what we're doing, you want to support us, you want to keep us out of the range making these videos, you can go on there and you can pledge you know, a couple dollars a month or a couple dollars a year or whatever uh, to help us continue to deliver great content. So once again, that's patreon.com forward slash LRSU. And uh, that definitely helps out a tremendous amount. So that's that's pretty new for you. So you don't really have any feedback for us on on how well it works. Uh, I noticed that when I went to, to your Facebook page and I saw that, so I, I wasn't sure what it was and and opened it up. But it looks just like a regular, you know, website. It is, yeah. So it's essentially just a a place where any creator, uh, whether it be a, a musician or an artist or whoever, but a lot of YouTube creators will go there and set up an account. And if you like our content, you can donate you know, a certain amount. Uh, the way that I have it set up is if you donate like $2 a month, I'll send you a pack of stickers. If you do $5 a month, you'll get like you know, a decal. If you do $10 a month, you get a t-shirt. And so basically it's just a, a, a thank you for uh, supporting the channel. And uh, I, I didn't expect to get a whole lot of traffic there. I basically set it up because a lot of people recommended it. And we already have three patrons and it's only been about a week and a half. So uh, it's actually been pretty successful and uh, makes me feel a great deal of, of pride that, that folks love our content enough that they're willing to uh, support us and, and help us continue to deliver that content. 
That's terrific, and I'm I'm really uh, thankful that there are people out there who understand what it takes to to do something like this undertaking that you that you've and you'd mentioned if you go on google you can find him i I would find it difficult to recommend anybody go to google especially after you know the unpatriotic changes they've made in the last few months that it basically took what was a viable um advertising platform uh and turned it into a venue that has to ask for donations to be able to support itself, and I think that's ridiculous. It's sad. Yeah, it's it's tough because the the most mainstream organizations out there, the the tools that you and I and, and everybody else in the world use on a daily basis, even Facebook and Instagram, are owned by these you know relatively left leaning organizations or very left leaning organizations, which uh, tend to not be so kind when it comes to gun related activities. And it's especially sad. I've, I've sent some very uh, poignant emails to uh, my representatives over at YouTube, and just said, listen, I try extremely hard to keep my content very clean and very responsible and we promote things like cleaning up trash left by shooters and we promote charities and we we do a lot of stuff to go to a great deal of effort to uh, try to make this a good quality wholesome channel and for you guys to to deem it as being you know worse than pornography or worse than some of the other content that i see on there that's that's very foul in a lot of ways and, and, and not acceptable to the, the typical person uh, is, is really very sad. And, and of course, you, you don't get any response from that side. So it's, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's, you know, Google's kind of everything. So it's, it's hard not to, uh, it's definitely a hard choice or a, a difficult choice to make to try to eliminate that from your life when it's such a core fiber of everything that we do on a daily basis. You have a pretty good following because I received a tag onto a, a Facebook uh, post on a video of uh, a customer of mine who's been a customer of mine for, oh, as long as I can remember almost, you know, 15, 20 years. Mr. Um, Jim where he had, Yeah, he had, he had participated in your, your milk jug uh, contest. It's, it's not really um, a competition, but it's an event, right? Yeah, you more or less compete against yourself. So uh, a few years ago, I, I kind of dreamed up this idea. I used to go out and shoot milk jugs with uh, my family and friends just for fun because I love seeing them explode, you know, at 1,000 yards with a 300 wind mag. It, it really does a number on them. And uh, I got thinking about it. And I thought there's so many guys out there that are trying to get into this sport. They want to compete. They, they see the guys shooting PRS or F-class or other things, but that's kind of intimidating. There's a lot of stuff to learn, a lot of stuff to buy uh, to get into this sport. So as a kind of way of getting around that barrier of entry, I thought, why don't we do something where they go out and they shoot a milk jug? Um, and part of it in choosing a milk jug was that just about every person in, in the U.S. in the morning when they wake up, they have a bowl of cold cereal and they grab a gallon of milk out of the fridge. So everybody knows the size of that jug. And then if you say, hey, I shot a milk jug at 1,000 yards, when you go back to work the next day, everybody's going to know what size that is, and they're going to totally call BS on you. But the cool thing is, is we make a video of it. And we not only make a video of it, but we make a video with like three and four different cameras. So it's really hard to say that it didn't happen when there's 30 or 40 people standing there and when it's all on video and it's posted on YouTube and it's got 25,000 views. So it was really designed as a way to get guys out and trying something new and meet some other shooters. And it's been wildly successful. We've had guys from Australia fly over to take the challenge. Uh, Jim Mill comes up from California every year. And uh, he's a stinker. He's funny. So I have to tell you a story. 
uh, last year, we every year we do what we call the International Milk Jug Challenge. We get so many people who want to come shoot it that I really have to turn a lot of people away. And we get a lot of people from out of state that want to come. And so every year we said, okay, we're going to do one dedicated shoot that's just for non-Utah shooters. And it fills up every year. And Jim last year came to his first challenge. And he drove in from California, and he was literally about eight hours late. And we're really cramming in a lot of stuff in two days. It's ex- we're there till 10 o'clock every night. And he showed up six hours late. We were just about done with one of the four distances we shoot. And we're like, well, if you want to shoot this, you need to shoot now. And he literally just pulled up, hadn't shot a single round in Utah, sat down, and cold bore shot our 1,200-yard milk jug and just went insane. Everybody was jumping and hooping and hollering and, and hugging him and whatever. And then he comes back this year, and he gets the one-mile milk jug in three shots. And once again, everybody goes nuts, giving him a hug and everything else. Unfortunately, our camera that shows the shooter and all the hoopla uh, had just filled up. The data card or the, the SD card had filled up, so we didn't capture that part of it. But you can go on YouTube and type in Jim Mill Milk Jug Challenge and uh, watch his video. I think he's already got, uh, I can't remember how many views already, but it's only been a couple of weeks it's been posted, and I want to say he's about 6,000 views or something like that. Great guy. Yeah, you you can't ask for a better person than Jim Mell, and especially for someone to promote what you do and, and support you. Uh, great guy, great customer, great person, really enjoyed Jim and couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And I know how excited he is about it because uh, he tagged me right away on it. Oh, he, he didn't even know half these people, but he's jumping up and giving everybody hugs. And, and that's the cool thing about the sport and, and what I've seen, at least, both in PRS competitions and with the Milk Jug Challenge competitions, is the, the camaraderie that's developed at these events is, is just phenomenal. It, it's humbling. It's really neat to, to be a part of it and have created some of that. And, and that's really what we're about promoting with, within LRSU is trying to be ambassadors for shooting sports. There, there's so much negativity out there in the media and in the world about guns and about shooting sports. And when you go to these events, you don't see that. And I would, I would venture to say that you could take about the most left-leaning person out there that just hates guns. And if they would just open their mind up and come down to the range with me, I absolutely promise by the end of the day, they will have had a great time. They would have thoroughly enjoyed themselves and been around some amazing people. And so that's kind of what we try to promote is, you know, we want to, we want to end all the negativity about shooting sports. We want to conduct ourselves in a, in a good, wholesome, responsible manner. Uh, trigger trash is a big thing that we, we hate. We hate to see shooters going out and making a mess um, at popular shooting spots. Um, I watch Instagram, YouTube videos of, of guys in California, Nevada, Idaho, everywhere in the country. And inevitably, if they go out to public land to shoot, there's garbage everywhere. There's, there's shotgun holes, and there's brass, and there's targets, and washing machines, and TVs. And it just sends a horrible, horrible message about our sport. And I want to do everything we can to end that. So we have a little program where if you go out, you see trigger trash, you take a picture, you clean it up, and then you take pictures of the cleanup, kind of the before and after, and you post it on our Facebook group, we'll send you a decal in the mail for free as a way to try to promote that. That's awesome, and I really appreciate the effort to to do that. You know, we're involved with some things around here for the the same reasons. Uh, it, it seems that California is not um, alone in that. Uh, it just seems like every state, some people just don't use very much common sense about what they do, uh, and unfortunately, because they're Second Amendment advocates, they um, that doesn't make them smart. 
about, you know, <laughs> whether they should clean up after well themselves <laughs> or how, you know, we always try to leave something better than we found. It doesn't matter whether we're shooting or whether we're off-roading or whatever we're doing. And that, you know, that's kind of the mindset that we we need to promote. And, and I really appreciate you doing that. I want to yeah, talk I mean, about for me, things. My, my biggest thing with that is most people that are that are pro Second Amendment or that are shooters, they're typically deeply patriotic as well, or at least they think they are. And to me, if if most of the guys I shoot with were to drive down the road and see someone burning an American flag or mocking a veteran or something like that, they would completely lose their minds. It would bother them to the core. But yet they can go out on the very land that those soldiers fight for, the very the land that that flag represents and dump toilets and, tr- and, and TVs and couches and garbage and trash it. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. So that's, that's a big, big platform that, that we're on. And like I said, I really appreciate that. Two things. We've got about two minutes left, and I want to make a, a quick point. You made the comment that it's intimidating for people to get into um, shooting events, and, and I'm doing something to try to help uh, combat that. I've built five... Um, F-class rifles, uh, three open rifles, uh, four open rifles, and two um, FDR rifles. That's six, yeah. So anyway, in order, and I'm going to loan them out. So I'm making this offer to you, Bryce. You make a plan to come over during one of the desert uh, sharpshooters and uh, monthly matches. I'll give you the gun and the ammo, and you can shoot the match. You'll know that the gun's as good as it can be, and the ammo matches the gun, so there's no excuses on why you don't do any better than you did other than this isn't exactly as easy as I thought it was. But the fact is is that you'll get to shoot a match, and you'll know whether you like it or not. And so I've built two rifles specifically for juniors, um, uh, one in a 6 Norma and one in a 6 Dasher, and those are mid-range for kids that are just getting started. And we want to promote that so kids could get started. And, you know, they're more than likely going to be kids of shooters that are already competing. But at least they don't have to build that gun for them so that they can come out and shoot a match. And we're hoping that that uh, takes some of the fear of of getting involved in a sport or at least trying it without really knowing what you need to have. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm happy to post about that, and uh, and I'm absolutely certain we've got plenty of members down in your area, and I would love to even get some guys from up here to come down and try it. I mean, F-Class is a phenomenally fun sport. Um, I've shot it a couple of times and made a video about it that, that folks can go on YouTube and watch that kind of goes through what it is. And uh, it's a lot of fun, but it also doesn't seem like it's really gaining a lot of popularity, at least around here. And, and that's really sad because it's it's such a phenomenal sport, and it's something that you know someone that maybe isn't as mobile uh, especially guys that get a little older, they they look at PRS and they go, yeah, I don't know if I can really swing that. F class is phenomenal, and the shooting it's a lot of fun. And uh, so yeah, I definitely will take you up on that and see if we can't get some guys to come down and and shoot you with you there in Arizona. It's not that far away. Great. Well, we're out of time, Bryce. I really want to thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, really great having you. I apologize for the technical difficulties, but we'll work those out. Next time you come on, we'll talk about the more ideas that we can work together to help support this industry. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir, very much for the opportunity. Great. And I want to ask everyone to stick with us for the next minute and a half or so while we take a commercial break. 
looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Once again, I apologize for all the technical difficulties. We're going to, at some point, get this figured out and you're not going to have to put up with that if you're listening to us on uh, on demand um you probably don't realize that we've having as much difficulty as we are but yeah this is this is not going well but um i'm i'm really excited to talk about um my upcoming hunt uh I want to give a shout out to Bob Beck and uh, the people at Extreme Outer Limits and Star Valley uh, Outfitters. Uh, Bob's such a terrific guy, and I have hunted several times together, and and I decided this year I wanted to go hunt with him. And so he said, okay, well, let me see what my schedule is and see how we can do that. So we're going to hunt at Star Valley. I was fortunately drawn for both elk and mule deer, so I get a six-day hunt that I get to hunt two big game animals that never happens in this state so i'm really excited about that but um i was at uh, star valley last year had a great time my my grandson and and two sons went up there with me and uh, it's it's a place that if you guys get a chance to hunt elk in wyoming um about 40 50 miles from um, jackson hole it's really worthwhile. I suggest you check it out, and if you want to do a trip like that, I'd give them a call because I'm really excited about this year's hunt too. 
So now I want to get to our next guest. I'm really excited to be able to uh, get him on uh, the program. We tried for a while, but uh, he's been really busy the last two, three weeks, a month, and it's been hard to get him scheduled. Uh, But I think he's got a good enough excuse that uh, we're going to let him slide on that. Uh, His name's Will McCloskey. He's an F-class shooter and owns Saris Rifle Works. Uh, And... Here I am. I'm a, a stock maker and have been in this business for 40 years, but I will tell you absolutely without a doubt, Will makes the most beautiful stocks I've ever seen. And it's not just the typical laminated wood that you think of. He takes hard wood and he does the laminating them himself. He picks out the wood that works well together, looks good together, and and makes some dynamite-looking stocks. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you were looking for a little background. Yeah, let's let's hear some background. Well, um, I grew up in a family of you know with hunting traditions, and you know there was always a rifle, a full-size rifle, a twenty-two, and a shotgun in the covered by the back door any house and any family member my dad would take me shooting and i caught the bug just like anybody else would you know when you're a kid that's about the coolest thing you could do i um found that i had a knack for hitting things other people couldn't and it really gave me the bug to pick up uh, you know long-range shooting though i never really did until I, my adult life mostly it was shotgun you know, upland game bird hunting. And when you're a kid, pretty much shooting everything else that moves. But uh, in 2011, you know, it's funny, your last guest was talking about um, kind of a, a fear, a, a hesitance of people to, to take on an F-class match or something like that. It's, it can be intimidating. It's a bunch, bunch of people you don't know. Um, doing things you've only dreamt about. You know, guy off the street sees a target out at even 600 yards and they think that may as well be a mile. And here these people are shooting, you know, a three-inch X-ring. So I can understand the hesitance to get involved, but, you know, if, if you're blessed enough to be in an area with an active club, those people are dying to see you, to have new shooters. They know your gear is not going to be right. They know you're not going to know what you're doing. But that's part of the reason they participate is to help new shooters. I mean, they'll gladly, if you bring your granddaddy's aught six and can't get on paper at 600 yards, one of them's going to hand you a rifle and say, here. Um, nothing and no one more welcoming than the shooting community. And I agree. That's nothing um, that's exclusive to the F-Class community because no. that exact same thing would happen if you went to a shotgun match with uh, a Jam-O-Matic and, and some guy said, here, you know, you can share my rifle, my shotgun with you so it, it doesn't uh, jam every time you, you want to shoot. Sure. Uh, same thing would happen in bench rest. If, you know, people hear competition and they think it's the Olympics. You know, this is just a... It's just a bunch of guys wanting to go out and shoot just like you do. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. The biggest barrier to getting into F-Class is the cost of the equipment, and that is a pretty substantial one. But anyone 
reasonably could go out and get their hands on a Savage rifle and a Cytron scope and go out and keep it in the black at a thousand. So as I was talking with, as I was talking with Bryce just before you came on, uh, you know we've started a program where I'm going to build uh, and have built uh, several rifles specifically to use as loaners. Um, I've, yeah, I've seen been that. fortunate I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of guys to donate some um, parts of the rifles, even though I wasn't asking for it. I've I've built five or six of these rifles, and one of them is totally by donations, and I really appreciate the industry for jumping on that as soon as I said it was for kids, you know, for a youth yeah, that's gun. Great. Uh, that's what everybody wanted to help support, so that's really cool. Yeah, I saw the McSparren boys uh, shooting two of those, and we really got them out of a jam. Um, are, they, are they making the worlds with those? Yes, they are. Uh, Collins That's shooting great. the the rifle that um, I uh, lent him, and he's been shooting it for the last month, getting ready. And uh, mm -hmm. his brother uh, is shooting a Savage that I sent him a, an exit for. Was managed to get it out in time for him to shoot it in one match and then go to to the world. So they're heading up to um, Canada in the next couple of weeks, and they'll, they'll be shooting up there. Well, that's great. I mean, for a family like that, that's a huge expense, just getting up to a match like that, much less having, uh, you know, new rifles built for it. So I know their, their dad is, uh, you know, committed to keeping them active and, you know, even on the world stage at an event like that. So, yeah, that was a great thing to do there to get them, get them up and running. Well, you know, I like to help in any way I can, and sometimes uh, the little stuff means a lot. I know, I think it's Colin, who's the oldest one, is is already signed up to go into the Marines after after the world. So I think in September he uh, starts his enlistment and is looking forward to hopefully being able to shoot for the Marine Corps. I just happen yeah, to know the great. coach. Yeah, I happen to know the coach, and, and I'm doing some work with sponsoring their shooting team, so I may be able to, at least if I can't you know, get him any special attention, I can tell him what the path is that he needs to follow in order for them to be able to take a look at him and decide whether he's, he's someone that they want on the team. Sure. So well, that's, that's a, a fantastic you know, it's nice. connection for him. Yeah, it's it's great to be able to do that for people, and especially those who appreciate it. I want to talk about Saris Rifle Works now, because I know that you haven't always been in the gun business. Um, you didn't oh, talk much about uh, what you'd done before, but to give us a little background on how you went from being a shooter to being a stock maker in about a year, uh, you know, how, well, what skills do you have funny. that allowed that? I never really thought about it until... Uh, I was asked for some background uh, before appearing on this show, you know, how did you get into this? And then to sit down and write it out, you know, I'd never really, it hadn't even occurred to me that I might have taken some kind of circuitous route to this. It's just, this is the same thing that I have always done. When I would take an interest, when I was 16, I took an interest in custom trucks. That was what was going on in my area. That was the coolest thing going. So that's what I wanted to do. When you looked at the cost, the parts availability for lowering trucks, we just, we couldn't afford them or they simply didn't make stuff like we were wanting. So 
Um, I went and bought a $300 welder from Home Depot. I read the instructions. I watched the video. And I um, notched the frame on my mini truck in my mom's garage. And we stood back and looked at that and said, well, well that wasn't that hard. And that really kind of set the frame framework for the rest of my life and any interest. You look at what it is that people are doing, and you look at the people that are doing it, and you think, man, it can't be that hard. Um, I found that common sense and some math will get you a long way. So I, ended I know up, I ended because up in I know. Trades. Go ahead. Yeah, I know because I know you well enough to know that you're a real family man. You you really love your kids. You can see that from following your Facebook page. You talk about your family a lot. They're really important to you. I think probably having the ability to, one, be your own boss, which means that you can dictate your own hours, and having a shop that's in the proximity to your family probably was a big motivator for you. Am I right? Well, that was a huge a huge reason to choose something like this. Um, you know, in a past life, I owned a hot rod shop that that uh, demanded most of my time and also came with a lifestyle that's not exactly conducive to happy family. You know, you're in that industry, your work sells based on who you are and the appearance or your appearance or your demeanor or your standing. Um, you take Jesse James, for instance. Everybody wanted his work not only because he was a gifted fabricator, but because he was a cool guy riding around on his, you know, hand-built motorcycles. But the shop died a very natural death during the recession. People did not have extra money to be throwing at, you know, a street rod they didn't need. And we had massive amounts of overhead, and I had guys to feed and uh, overhead to pay, so we were out of it. And in, between that time and this, I've been traveling most of the western United States building food processing plants because that was an industry that was recession-proof. People have to eat. <clears throat> so that skill set that I brought from you know, building custom you know, tube chassis race cars and you know, designing link suspensions and chop tops and motor swaps and all those sorts of things was a pretty easy transition over into building machines that sort food, essentially. Giant stainless steel machines. But I was gone all the time. I lived in hotels. I would work cycles like 13, 10-hour days on, and then come home for three or four, and then back out to it. And when you're on the road and you have small children, you can feel good about providing for them and the money might be good, but you're not there. So that, uh, that was a huge factor in what we did last year. I decided to move out of California. I searched Idaho from stem to stern for a house big enough for the family with a shop big enough for work. I wanted to work from home. I wanted to work in um, the firearm industry in a way that one person could do from home, provide an excellent service and perhaps something new or a new take on something old. Um, small market, small numbers, um, you know, one stock a day at the most. 
and really focus on what we're doing and keep our overhead down so that I could afford to do it from home. You know, the firearms industry is one that really allows a, a businessman to be able to get into the industry. It's one of the few industries these days where if you have a desire and you want to do something, uh, you can get it. Uh, a machine, you can get a lathe or you can get a mill and you can start producing something, sell it uh, over the internet and really become a business that way. It's hard to do that in many other businesses the way that you can do it here. There are a lot of, um, you know, garage um, gunsmiths that started out doing it as a hobby and then, you know, became popular enough that they could sell their their wares uh, to enough people that they could do it full time. You know, that's how this company right. started. My, my father started making fiberglass stocks on the dining room table and he never ever really thought that it was going to be a business. He just thought he, that he could make a few of them that would work, you know, and that could right. make his guns better. So that's how we got started. So you... you you set out, you did a little bit different. You didn't start slowly. You you had a mindset about what you wanted to do, how you wanted to do it. Uh, you went out and bought the equipment, which was not cheap. That's something that a lot of people, you know, find it very difficult to invest in the equipment that it takes to do what we do. You know, you might be able to buy a $3,000 lathe used for you know, $1,200 um, right. and then be able to do some metal work. But the equipment that you've got is pretty significant equipment. So barriers to entry, right? They talk about that in business. Uh, what, <clears throat> what obstacles do you need to overcome to get from where you're at to where you want to be? I knew in my heart that these designs, I'd been pouring over stock designs in my head for years, just based on the stocks that I had, stocks that I'd shot, things that I liked about them, things that I didn't like, uh, problems that I saw. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, so I'm an F-open shooter. We battle torque and tracking. Um, consistent body position at long range is a huge component to winning or losing. And when your rifle torques out of the rest and you end up looking over the top of a target two lanes to your right, between every shot, you are never going to win that match never because at during between each shot you are completely repositioning realigning the rifle and you're just you're going to fight it so i thought i had a solution for a couple of those things and i knew i wanted to to see to explore whether or not it could be done now coming out of a fabrication background you know i'm very familiar with all sorts of manufacturing processes. I have never run a CNC, ever, but I've st stood 20 feet from one for years while another guy ran it. Um, I was pretty familiar with the process, though I didn't know G-code and those sorts of things. Um, had somewhat of a CAD background, but nothing like the powerful programs they're running now. But I knew it wanted, I wanted them to be wood, and I'll get into why uh, later. And I knew I wanted them to be machined in such a way that they were perfect, or as close to perfect as they can be made. And I looked at the cost of the machines, and I agonized over that. But I thought, well, if this is... It seemed to me the only way 
to get from where I was to where I wanted to be, which was holding a stock that I had made myself that was straight. So, hey, hey, Will, uh, before we run out of time, and, and time goes a lot faster than you think, uh, 30 okay. minutes seems like about 10, uh, so we're getting a little short. I want to I talk more about why would, I will be honest, uh, for about eight years when I ran the rifle company, I didn't pay as much attention to the, the stock company as I should have, and we kind of got lost in our attempt to stay at the top of the competitive sports field it's where we got our start we were at one time there wasn't a shooting sports out there where the very best shooters weren't shooting our products and then when i sold the rifle company and i got back into to trying to support the shooting sports i started first with f-class ftr and i really hadn't paid any attention to the open uh and I'm finding out that, man, there's a lot of people shooting wood stocks, and that was a real surprise to me. Uh, they're all laminated, laminated or really dense hardwood. Uh, so I want to know why you picked wood, why you think that, that their resurgence has been so big, and, and what it is about what you do can make a stock that a guy can compete with. So I think there's a number of components as to why. I can only speak to my own. We were talking about gunsmiths briefly. I think regional gunsmiths, gifted regional gunsmiths, that end up building a majority of any competition rifle within 100-mile radius of wherever they are, are hugely influential on that local scene. For me, there's um, a man by the name of Tom Lumen out of Clovis, California, who was a garage gunsmith using, you know, marginal equipment and antiquated this and that in a very small space. This man built the most beautiful rifles I'd ever seen, ever. And with a duplicator, he's building these prone rifles. Sling, you know, for, he's a sling shooter and therefore hates F-Class. But I didn't know anything about wooden stocks until I walked into Tom's shop and consequently ended up on firing lines next to his guns. They were gorgeous. So that really set the tone for me. And in my region, everybody was shooting one of Tom's stocks and winning. <clears throat> Excuse me. We did, nobody shot a fiberglass stock in my region. And I think that's why it didn't even occur to me. But I know there are other... You know, you take a different gunsmith in a different place. Let's take Alex Wheeler, who's another, you know, gifted gunsmith. Uh, built a lot of fiberglass stocks. A lot of guys in his region winning with fiberglass stocks. Um, the reason I think, in my opinion, they may be as popular as they are is that they're winning a lot something about the dampening qualities of wood that in my opinion at least in an f open rifle you have this massive barrel all this weight hanging way out there in a static rest you you're fighting a springboard effect and torque you're trying to eliminate that harmonic from the barrel to the stock 
to the rest. And I really think that the dampening qualities of wood truly help my customers to put them in the middle. Now, I'm not saying it's superior for all different types of shooting. Um, and certainly, I've seen your stocks win, you know, right and left. And still, you've got, like, Derek Rogers seemingly, you know, very dominant in TR, shooting your exit. Um, but for me, also, it's the sort of thing that a person can do one at a time, make one a day, four a week, the most, and really maximize your time by turning out something beautiful, because they're all like fingerprints. No two look the same. So someone gets well, a very unique uh, product. I want, to, I want to commend you for that, too. Uh, if you've followed my Facebook at all, you know I've, I'm doing a little hobby woodworking myself and, and set up a shop uh, so I could, you know, kind of get away from fiberglass for a while. And, yeah, I like the uh, bench. Tell you what, That's a beautiful-looking bench. Uh, working with wood is art. I mean, working with fiberglass, you know, I think that's more of, you know, a, a normal thing. But, man, working with wood is, is really artistic. You know, unfortunately, Will, I, like I told you, the, the time just flies when you've got a great customer. Yeah, and we got about a minute left. I just want to give you okay. an opportunity to say hi to your wife and kids. I know that they're probably not listening, but you can get them on there. I, w I want you to have a chance to say hi to them. Well, they took the opportunity to go have a picnic at the zoo today. So my wife, Melanie, uh, eight-year-old Sabella, recently turned five, uh, Hannah, three-year-old Charlotte, and my son, who's turned a month old yesterday. And the poor guy got named after me, so he's William III. Yeah, you going to call him Trey? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to call him. <laughs> He's a well, peanut right now. He, he looks like a cross between Yoda and Winston Churchill. <laughs> uh, this is going to be forever encapsulated in the internet he'll hear that sometime when he's about 20 and he'll never forgive you for it hey so if, if you want to you want to hear this show and uh let the your wife listen to it you can find it on our website by going to the radio tab and then clicking on on demand programs and then you can select that and it'll be up on the website by tomorrow uh will really right, appreciate sir. you being on the show thanks for spending some time with us i know your time with your kids and, and family is very valuable hey good luck in your business i know you do great work and uh, i'm really excited to see you out there on the firing line the next time you come to phoenix yes sir looking forward to uh to seeing you around and if there's anything yeah. we could get together on a project, you let me know. Absolutely. All right. And thank you. I want to thank uh, Will for being on the show, and I want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us. Please join us next Friday on voiceamerica.com. And I want to thank all our listeners for spending their time with us. We know your time is valuable. Appreciate you being here and look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.